earth. And uh, it's, it's an exciting time to be in the, in, in, in the kingdom, I believe. It's an exciting time to be in the church. Uh, there's so much that we've been praying for for years, some things for 50 years or more, that God is moving sovereignly that we never could see. And so I'm excited to see what God is doing and how he's laying out this foundation. I want to thank you for praying for our family, especially for Brian and Malin. Uh, the passing of Brian's dad in the memorial service was beautiful. Um, it was in this uh, very old Methodist church with all this stained glass. It was just an incredible thing uh, to be there and, and, and just to worship during that service. It was good. And I want to thank that. We also want to be praying for uh, Merle and Norma as uh, we found out late last night that uh, Merle's nephew in Texas passed away. Uh, and so we want to continue to pray for them and their family as uh, they're waiting to hear um, what the details are and how they go down and serve their family. Um, and it's an incredible thing. Uh, this, if you know Merle's testimony, is that all right, Merle, if I go here? Uh, this is uh, Merle's family that he found later in life. For many of you who may not know, uh, Merle was adopted as a little boy. And later in life, he found his birth mom and their family, and they re reconnected in such a powerful way that it was of God. And I just firmly believe that that reconnection was not just for uh, uh, that time, but for even moments like this, Merle and Norma. And I know that you'll be light to your family as you serve them through this tragedy. Uh, so we want to pray for them as they uh, continue to do that. Uh, again, our church is full of ambassadors, amen? And... Um, We'll just uh, continue to keep them covered in prayer and watch what God does. I believe there's something of the Lord uh, that we don't know yet that will be expressed in a powerful way. And uh, salvation, you never know how God decides to bring it. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus 14. Uh, Breno did an amazing job last week. Uh, come on, let's give the Lord a hand for that. And uh, this is the process of discipleship and training and those things. And it was one of those weeks where uh, I was, uh, Reno's at that spot in, in his life as a minister and growing in the Lord and what he's doing where I just said, okay, you got two verses, go. And uh, so I, we were listening as we were driving back from Florida and I was just like, man, I wish I was in the house right now because that was good. That was so good. Um, and uh, just to, to, to hear uh, and watch and see what God continues to speak through different giftings. And I remember Breno was just like, oh, just these two verses? And I was like, yep, you got these two verses and seven sermons before it. So uh, there you go. And um, so thank God for that. Thank God for our eldership team that continues to push into teaching and training. Thank God for you as a church that uh, embraces gifting and let young men and women of God be trained. Amen. And the best place to exercise gift is where? At home. And uh, so that was excellent. And uh, we're excited about that. Today we're going to continue. And so in Exodus chapter 13, I want to talk about Futures Bridge. And as we've been moving through this, is part nine in this series. Uh, and it's an, been an incredible series. And many of you have commented about how God has spoken to you through this series, especially in such a familiar portion of the scripture God has renewed his, his grace and his mercy and his revelation. I want to move into verse 30 and 31, if you will. Exodus 14, verse 30. Thus the Lord saved. Everybody said he saves. Come on. That's what God, see, God's in the saving business. Many of you might think that Walmart's the saving place. But Walmart wasn't the first saving place. God is the, he's, listen, the presence of God is the saving place. The Bible said, I love it. Here's, here's where this story begins to culminate and it begins to give us a bridge to cross from where we are to where God wants us to be. Pastor Yard used to always teach us, when God delivers you, he delivers you from something unto something. God just doesn't deliver us and set us down, amen, and say, wait here, I'll be back. No, God delivers us from darkness to light. God delivers us from something. And so here is God. He's beginning to show us the bridge to the next, to the future. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Can you imagine that sight? Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant 
Moses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. I ask you to bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? How many of you can follow me with this? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty together again. Anybody familiar with it? Maybe it's new for you. Maybe you never heard that before. We smile at this little nursery rhyme uh, because it does a couple of things inside of us. Maybe it brings back some childhood memories. Uh, Maybe for some of us we can recall a a picture book that maybe we had of, of, of this egg that looked like with arms and cracks and legs and little shorts that I don't know how they didn't fall off, but they're there uh, and um, you, know, you know you see them and it's the things you think about when you're adult, when you look back at the children's books you read before, you're like, I got questions. How did Humpty keep his pants on? I'm just saying like it just, I got questions. But Regardless of how you remember, I'm not real sure what the full intent of the little nursery rhyme was and whether the author of the particular rhyme had some epic life lesson for us to learn, but it does speak to a few situations, if you think about it. It literally speaks to some times when we find ourselves broken and shattered and in pieces. I'm the only one. And how do I know that this thing speaks to those moments? You ever heard a common phrase? Somebody's been through some things and they're on the, they're, maybe they're on the other side of something that is very traumatic or something that's been very uh, life-shaking to them and, and, and you want to have a heart-to-heart conversation with them and, and, and you start to try and love on them the way Jesus would have you love on them and, them, and he's, how are you doing? And, and maybe you hear something, man, I'm just trying to put the pieces back together. Right? I was, trying to, I was trying to put the pieces back together. Humpty Dumpty, fella. Come on, church. In a real world, and that's what I think the church should begin to, to express more and more and more. We live in a broken world, church. This world we live in is broken. It, it, is, it is broken, and there is no doubt that it's broken. It's broken by circumstances, it's broken by situations, it's broken ultimately by sin, it's broken because of our errors in judgment. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. In hindsight now, I should have had a different plan. In my mind, I had that going different. one of us in this room, I guarantee you there's not a person in this room or listening, someone, there's no one who hasn't been touched by the feeling that at some point you have found yourself feeling like you are coming apart at the seams. Am I helping anybody? Just, Just me. The, The truth is in this moment, church, we don't, we don't always know why God allows problems. But what I do know is that when that happens, God intends to use those problems to grow me into something I was not before. God intends to use those problems for my maturity, not my destruction. Listen, that's the difference between God and the devil when a test comes. The devil's trying to destroy you. God's trying to grow you. The devil's trying to tear you down. God's trying to build you. And, and through that process, when our hearts respond uh, biblically and through the Spirit as we cry out into God, what happens is we, we grow deeper into faith. Remember what Breno said last week? I mean, it was so epic. I'm driving. I'm listening to it. I, I got the phone plugged into the radio where I can hear it really good. And Bruno said that as they walked through the Red Sea, they had to walk to the deep. They had to go deep into God. They had to go deep into what God was doing. There was no way to avoid the depth 
Amen. Come on, church. There might have been dust on their feet, but they still had to walk through the depth. I was like, man, I wish I was there right now. I want to pull a hanky out in the truck while I was driving. I was like, yeah. Because that's where God wants to take us. Into the depths of who he is. God is not interested in being a shallow God. God's not interested in being a religious icon to you. God's not interested in just being some kind of thing you wear on your sleeve or on your coat or an icon you put on your backdrop or something. God wants to move us into the depths of who he is. You ever ever, ever been going through something you're just like, "I'm I'm not motivated for this. I'm, de- I'm sorry about trouble today. I got no motivation for you. Come on. I was, I was in the gym yesterday morning, and, and uh, you know, Saturdays are a thousand reps. You got to do a thousand reps in one hour. You got one hour to do a thousand reps. And, and I, just, I was just trying to be honest with my brothers in the gym. I was like, not today. I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm here. That's a, vic- that's a victory. Today, sometimes just showing up, I got here, is the victory. Are you with me? I'm like, I'm here. Now, I did more than John Yoder and Jeremy Smith, but I didn't do much more. (laughs) I I didn't do much more. Uh, I'm just, I'm not motivated, right? Those dumbbells are sitting over there, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I'm just not motivated for those dumbbells. I'm just not motivated for those things today. I just don't want to have anything to do with them. Troubles and struggles are kind of like dumbbells for the soul. God uses them to strengthen us. I know if I don't grab them, I'm not going to get stronger. I know even though my motivation might be, if I don't grab those dumbbells, I'm not going to get stronger. Troubles and struggles are like dumbbells for the soul. Strengthen us. Hello, somebody. They strengthen us. And and, and it's in times of testing that God is able to turn bitter circumstances into a better situation. I, I didn't put that up there, but you can tweet that. It's in times of testing that God is, is turning bitter circumstances into a better situation. But it doesn't happen without a test, it's especially for those who trust him. We, we've been through this now. We've spent, man, weeks now. This is the ninth message in this. I mean, we've spent weeks now trying to figure out and notice how Israel is benefiting from this narrow escape that happens. It strengthened their faith. Right there at the end, it says, they believe the Lord. They believe the Lord. You mean, you mean you can actually be going through some, t- some things sometimes and not believe what God has spoken? You mean you can actually have experienced the miracle working power previously in your life and be in a circumstance in a situation right now and not believe? You remember that guy in the New Testament that said, I believe, but help my unbelief? You're just being honest with Jesus. Come on, somebody, that's what we need around here. That's what the church needs, more people just to be honest, right? Like, I'm just, here's where I'm at, Lord. It has nothing to do with whether I love you. It has nothing to do with what what I believe. But, Lord, I'm in this place right now where I want to confess to you that with all my heart and life, I love you and I'm serving you. I'm struggling. This thing's got me twisted up. This thing's got me turned around. This thing's got me unmotivated. Hello, somebody. The Bible says they feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord, and they believed his servant Moses. Faith, faith has an accumulative quality. Think about that for a minute. We, we, we gather it. We gather faith. We garner it. We strengthen it. We grow it. We lay it up for the future. The truth of the matter is, church, that our faith grows stronger through the seasons of life. Jesus said, why you live in this world, you shall have. Why? 
Because he's, he's strengthening us for the future. He's strengthening us for what's ahead. He's, he's giving us something to stand on, something to use to cross current situations so we're prepared for future circumstances. And so that means there's a necessity to turning to God. There's a necessity for trusting God. Especially in times when we need to be healed from brokenness. Israel learned some lessons the hard way, and they're still applicable to us today. We can still learn from them. God's trying to initiate the process of restoration. Think about this. But in order for that to happen in our life, we've got to first do what they did. We've got to see the great power of God. Come on. We need to be awed by the power of God. And we need to believe him. Let me process this for you, something we haven't touched on yet, but and something when we read the story that we can probably forget about real quick, but they couldn't. 450 years of slavery. That the initial generation willingly went into. I don't have time to read your Bible to you. We got Bible college coming up soon. Hello, somebody. They, at the end of 450 years of slavery, experienced God moving to intervene by sending Moses. Interesting. And they go to the Pharaoh and... Aaron says, hello somebody, not Moses, let my people go. I I know at Easter you already see the Ten Commandments, and there's Moses, Charlton Heston doing his thing. But Moses never said those words. Aaron said them. Let my people go. Watch this. Ten plagues later, Pharaoh at long last orders Moses and, and the people to leave. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'm sick of you. Just get out of here. And so Moses and, and, the, and, and the people who left, a mixed multitude, there were Egyptians that left with them. They make their way down to the Red Sea. And they're en route to freedom. And they discover Pharaoh is now ordered his army to pursue them and bring them back. Can I just say this in our life? Can we just prep for a moment here? Maybe put our seatbelt on and just soak this in. Evildoers find it hard to let go of what has enriched them. Not everybody in your life sent there from God. And there's some people in our lives that sometimes aren't interested in our life at all. All they're doing is interested in what our life brings to enrich theirs. And Evildoers very rarely want to let go of that thing that has enriched them. Now, in this process, as we read this, our, our imagination can only go to the panic and, and the things that had happened and all the things that the people of God were experiencing as they look back and see that Pharaoh's on his way. And so the situation has presented itself uh, because here's Moses. He's persuaded them to leave, pack their bags and follow him. And all this uncertainty. The one thing they were certain of is the onions and leeks. And so here's Moses all alone as everybody is panicked. But here's their fearless leader standing in front of them and saying, the Lord will fight for us. The Lord will fight for us. The Lord will fight for us. Stand still and see his salvation. Watch God be God. And what happens next is the story we've been in that's incredible. That very day, at the end of chapter 14, the Bible says the Lord saved them. Man! He saved them from a power they couldn't save themselves from. He saved them from a situation that they couldn't get out by themselves. He saved them from a situation that had dragged them into slavery to the point that they did not understand or could not concept or fathom the concept of freedom. 
See, this is difficult for us, right? Because uh, uh, the only way I can tell you is, is this. After 450 years, you're free. What does that mean? Just, just imagine trying to explain to someone who's been blind all their life what the color yellow looks like. They don't have the ability to process it. 450 years of slavery, we don't have the ability to process what freedom looks like, right? Like, as a little child, my dad would say, don't touch the stove, don't touch the heater, it's hot. I'd never been burned before, I didn't understand. It will burn you. What does that mean? I don't have a concept, because I hadn't experienced it until I did. I'd never been bit by an animal before, until one day in the yard, I'm poking at a possum. My dad walks by and says, that thing will bite you. Stop poking at it. Dad walks off and I didn't stop poking at it. And in just a minute, guess what? It bit me. And so I go in the house crying, sucking snot, bleeding, looking at my dad. It bit me. And my dad says, you have learned a valuable lesson today. Anything with teeth will bite. Stop poking at it. And the concept of any of it. How could, they con- how could they conceive freedom? So we want to blame them for going back to what they know. Here's the deal, right? For you and I have been set free to walk with Jesus in freedom and liberty and the joy of our salvation. When someone first gets saved, we don't understand why they still struggle with things. It's the concept that's there. So faith is a cumulative quality it builds us to a place of revelation of what it means to walk with God and this is where they're at now God has saved them the Bible says they were in awe of his power who wouldn't be the Bible says they believed him who who wouldn't here's the problem this is where we at we too are called to see the great power of the Lord We too are called to be awed by the display of his power. For most of the modern day church though, the the biggest point of power is the light switch in the wall. We're scared to believe God for miracles, to pray for miracles, to ask God to do what we cannot, to believe God to be who we are not. We tend to be fickle about our profession of faith. I believe God, but you know. And the degree of our faith in God is so often determined by the ebbs and the flows of circumstances. Man, I just got that promotion. Gosh, man, I can believe God for financial prosperity. You see what I'm saying? But then when the economy crashes, the ebb and flow, what am I doing? Am I still going to live my life the same way, trusting God? As long as there's smooth sailing, see, we're up. The slightest hint of trouble, guess where we're at? So here's the question for us today, especially in this modern day world, this, the, the Western world that we live in. What is faith? What is it? We've got all these prosperity preachers, all these faith teachers, all these things, uh, you know, that are going on. Name it and claim it, do it and don't it. I, 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 I got no idea. What exactly is faith? See, we are not without answer. The problem is we're just personally illiterate in the Scripture. Let me, let me, speak, let me speak to every woman, especially young women in this house. Luke chapter 1, verse 45. What is faith? And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God had spoken to her. Blessed is the young woman of God. Blessed is the woman of God. Blessed is the woman who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what God has spoken to your life. Faith is believing that what the Lord has said to us will be accomplished. Here's the way I like to put it. It's his idea. Hey, God, remember, this is your idea. I had other plans, Lord. 
Y'all never prayed like that before in your life, have you? You never stood before the Lord and said, this went sideways, this thing has gone south, all I did was follow you, I had other plans, God. As a matter of fact, I tried to tell you my plan was better than yours. Don't, Don't act like you hadn't thought it if you never had a conversation with God like that. What exactly is faith? Believing that what God has spoken to us will be accomplished. Every one of us in this room here this morning, we have personal promises from God. You have things that God has put. You remember the Bible says that that God said he will give you the desires of your heart? Let me tell you why we can own that. Because it's God who puts those desires in your heart. If you're saved and filled and sanctified and justified, washed in the blood of Christ, God deposits something of who he is inside of you. God puts a part of his heart inside of you. God puts his dreams, his his desires for who you are and what he wants you to do and the things he wants you to accomplish. And all of a sudden you think they're your desires. No, these desires are of God. But hills happen, mountains show up, and potholes in the road. And maybe God made a mistake. Maybe God didn't mean what he said. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I want this scripture on the rock you put on top of my grave. And everybody who reads it from then till Jesus comes back, I want them to read this fact. Don, um, come on. Don never wavered concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that what God had said he was able to do. He believed God. Do you know how crazy I have been called because I believe that faith is being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promised. Acts chapter 27, verse 23 and 25. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God. Paul is speaking of whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God is granted to all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it'll be exactly as I have been told. Do you understand that the promises that God has given you may not just be for you alone. The promises God has given you might actually save some other people. Faith is believing that the things will happen just as God said they would happen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is believing that God is faithful who has given us promise. You may just, let, me just, let me just put this down to PDism for you. Let me give you PD's definition. Faith is the bridge to futures forward. Faith is the bridge to where I'm going. Faith is how I get from where I'm at to where I need to be. Faith is how I cross what's in my way. Faith is how I cross the impossible. Faith is how I do what can't be done. Hello, somebody. Not in my own strength, but because God has put something there that says there is something in your way that's beyond who you are so that as you go about doing it, you're going to have to trust me to get it done. Do you understand that you can't even get where you're supposed to be without God's help? When I have faith in God, I'm making some... Let me say this now. This might violate some people. Why don't you just process it for a minute? When I have faith in God, I'm making reasonable assumptions based on His faithfulness. Watch this. Watch this. This morning when I got up and took a shower, I assumed... There would be water when I turned on the spigot, preferably hot. That was faith. When I eat breakfast, I assumed it will make me healthy. Okay, maybe the little Debbie snack cake isn't part of that plan, but everybody's got to have faith for something. Lord, listen, if Jesus can turn rocks into bread, little Debbie snack cake into... I'm still working. 
Let me, let me put one to you. When I drive through a green light, I assume that the light that I cannot see is red. I'm putting faith in the fact that they programmed them lights correctly. Come on, somebody. Here's the truth of the matter. You, want to, you may tell you how messed up everybody is. When we come to a four-way red light and the electricity is out, no one knows how to drive. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. You go. No, you go. Everybody, nobody's going. You got a license in your wallet that says you passed the test and you know how to drive. Just pull up to a red light that ain't working. Nobody got a clue. Nobody got a clue. Nobody got a clue. But you're driving the other day, it came to a stop. I'm going to turn. So the person across from me came together. They have the right of way, they're going straight. I'm turning. She's on the other side of the road, screaming her head out, honking her horn for me to go. And I'm like, it's your turn. It's your turn. I don't know, that's a soapbox from somewhere. I got no idea what's happening. Every single day, I live by faith in hundreds of ways. This is true. Can, let, me, let me just bless y'all. Even an atheist has to live by faith in the process of everyday life. God created all of creation so that faith is a principle that is always at work. Come on, church, you got to trust something. And as a Christian, as a believer... I make reasonable assumptions about God's care and control over my life. If God told me that I honored him with a dime on a dollar, that I would be protected financially, I'm making reasonable assumptions every time I write a tithe check. Who am I to argue with God? Right? I may not understand every circumstance. I may not even appreciate every event that's taking place. Sometimes I feel like I'm backed up at a Red Sea with the Egyptian in the pursuit. Come on, somebody. Come on. But God has given us promises, and we disappoint him when we question his ability to keep his word. Mark chapter 4, verse 39, And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And, and, and said to the sea, peace be still. And, and the wind ceased, and, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, what, why are you still, why are you, you don't have any faith? Come on, church. Let me, let me say this with all the love that's in my heart. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And so if you want to fight every test, if you want to bark about every struggle and every circumstance, what you're doing is fighting against God himself who's trying to test your faith. He's trying to grow you into something that you are not. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to be on the front side of it. The Bible says that God will never tempt us, but it does promise us that he will test us. We got some school teachers in here. All week long, they teach a truth. And then at the end of the week, guess what that school teacher has done? That school teacher has designed a test to see if the student has learned the truth. Yeah, we want to bark about that when it happens in our spiritual life. Do you understand, married people? You're going to be tested. Do you understand, parents? Y'all understand this. Y'all going to be tested. At some point in your life, your kids are going to be demon-possessed, and you're going to have to figure it out. How did the depth? <laughs> Do you understand? Financially, we're going to be tested. God allows this to happen in our life to produce something in us that we didn't have before. Right. I want to say this to us physically. God allows, come on, somebody, for us to be tested. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to be there? 
Every good teacher teaches a truth and then designs a test to make sure that the student has learned the truth. And the test reveals yes or no. The test is designed to reveal if you learned. Did you learn? That's what we say in discipleship. Discipleship, guys, it's not, listen, it's not, it's not a little Bible study. It's not a, don't be late for my meeting. It's a test. Just showing up on time. It's part of the test. Learn, reading your Bible, part of the test. Let me, let me just put this to us. I will say this. I'll just speak for my, mine and my wife's life. Are, are, is that all right? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know our testimony. We weren't saved when we got married. And we instantly, six months into our marriage, she's leaving. Donald's not a good husband. I don't know how to be a good husband. And so there, there, this test is happening, and we, we, I gave my heart and life to the Lord, and, and, and she gave her heart and life to the Lord, and, and our kids gave their heart and life to the Lord, and, and we got saved, and we started walking with God and those things. And, and here's something. Here was the test. Here was the test, an anchor point. We learned right away that our lives had been just blown here, blown there, gone everywhere, gone this way, gone that way. We had nothing to anchor us into truth. And when we got saved, we found an anchor point. It was a little bitty church called Calvary Temple Worship Center with an amazing man of God who never really had a huge church, but he had a huge heart to see you walk with Jesus and to see the revelation of grace imparted into your life so you could experience freedom and to have a a tangible walk with Jesus. And he pushed and he pushed and he pushed us. And we realized that, you know what? This church, this local church is the only anchor point we have ever experienced in our life. And so we decided, we decided, no matter what's happening in life on Sundays, we're going to get our broken little selves to that church regardless of what else was happening. And there were people who didn't understand. You say, let's say it again loud. Anytime the church door, any and every time the church doors were open, we were there. We were there. It was our anchor point. I'm just going to tell you, you can't, you, can't, you can't go months without coming to the house of God and then wonder why your life's spiraling out of control, spinning in a storm, up and down in the waves. You anchored yourself to nothing. Faith teaches me that I belong somewhere, amen, that I need to be connected to something of life that helps me grow and teaches me how to walk with God. I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it until Jesus comes back and he can correct me in front of all of y'all if I'm wrong. Church is important. Not a soul in here called me on Sunday mornings and asked me if I'm going to show up. Y'all know where I'm going to be. I got nothing else to do. Because my family has to be anchored to the Lord. And I can't dare say that I love Jesus and not love what he loves. And he loves the church. You want me to tell you how he loves the church? It's right up there on the wall behind me. He loves us so much that he died for her. Amen. A faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. How do you feel when you got to cross a bridge that you're not sure you can trust? Hold up here. Wait a minute. Something right. We ain't driving across that. How about before we drive that, let's walk to the edge and see if anybody else fell off. Can we? No, nah, I'm not doing that. See them down there? Nope, not doing that. You know how you feel when you go across some bridges. And you're just like, can we trust this? 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 We just recently went across a, 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 a little bitty bridge. It was made out of uh, railroad ties, and, and it was on beams. And you, you, you got to get across there. None of the railroad ties were bolted down. They were just laid there. 
And as you go across them, they're all moving and banging and booming. And my wife is just like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Bridges moving a little bit. So we go to leave. We got to go cross this bridge again. And we pull up to this bridge. And my wife says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to go across the bridge. And she's like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. I said, you want me to go across it fast? She's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to drop this thing down in the gear. I'll give a little gas. We'll get across there quick. If we happen to fall, at least maybe our momentum, like the General Lee of Karis across the goal. She's like, don't do that. Don't do that. I was like, okay, you want me to go across it slow? No, 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 don't go across I'm like, we got to go across it. Pick one. I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, close your eyes, woman. Here we go. Y'all know what I did. Dropped the gear and went. Whoa. That's the way our life feels. Faith is quantifiable. Rudy said during worship to me, she says, you know, I've been praying about my son and wondering why we expose him to all these particular things and those, but God spoke to me and said, you know what we're doing in our children? We're creating warriors. We're creating the next generation. Why is one person's faith turbocharged while another's is sputtering and running on one cylinder? Jesus had the ability to measure people's faith. You ever notice that? Well, so good. He seemed intensely interested, if you read the Gospels, and how their faith was being exercised. Did you ever read Jesus? How many times he said, I, I'm not seeing this kind of faith in all of Israel. And he was talking about a Gentile. He boom, something happens. He turns around to his disciples like, what's your problem? He's interested in everyone he called, he crossed paths with about how their faith was being exercised. Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Matthew 15, 28, Jesus answered her, a woman, great is your faith, be it done unto you according to your desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Matthew 8, 26. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith. And he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And it was calm. See, Jesus rewarded everyone who fully trusted him. Matthew 9, 2. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Hebrews eleven six 6, and without faith it's impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Jesus is intently interested in our faith and how it's exercised in the world that we live. Faith is future's bridge. You know what I find interesting when I talk to young people? What, what's your most concern right now? You don't know hear them say? My future. What's next? What will become of me? What do I do? How do I live my life in the world that's spiraling out of control? Faith is future's bridge. Come on, somebody. The point of all these messages is are you stranded at the Red Sea? Trust Him. The Lord loves to respond to faith. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Why? Because faith is the bridge to futures forward. Have you ever asked God to increase your faith? Sure, I have. I'm just, I don't know about you, but I'm just honest with God sometimes. I, I'm struggling, Lord. Faith isn't something I can muster up at my own will. It's given by God. Every man is given a measure of faith, is what the Bible says. And then it's a developed by God according to the process of life. Somebody say amen or oh me. Faith is developed by the process of life. It's given as a measure by God and then it's developed and growed by God. That's not a word, growed. I was just in the south, y'all. It's a growing entity. Is that all right? And God intends to develop us spiritually. Somebody better say amen. amen. So like a good teacher, God 
bestows a truth to us and then devises a test to review and reinforce the truth. That is what transfers and translates faith into life-lasting, changing experiences. Amen. Now that's the point of the Red Sea. God gives instructions through Moses. Then he brings them to a sea. Through a desert with no water. And he says, now here's the test. Let's see if you can apply my promises to your problem. Woo! Let's see if you can apply my promises to your problem. Hey, I'm all there. A few weeks ago, man, I was on the phone with a couple of brothers because I was not applying promises, come on, to a problem. And I thank God for those brothers who speak truth to me to say, hey, hey, I get it. That's not what God has spoken. So I didn't like that answer, so I called another brother. And it was like that brother had contacted the one that I'd already called and said, tell him this. And that brother was like, hey, hey. That's not what God has promised. I finally wound up on the phone with Justin Gintz. And I was like, if anybody will be on my side, Justin Gintz is going to be on my side. And Justin Gintz was like, hey, hey. That's not what God promised. Jesus did the same with his disciples. Are y'all with me? There's a mountain, and on the side of this mountain, Jesus gives instructions. And you know what he does immediately? Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. Immediately after he gives instructions, you know what he does? Test, test, not pop quiz, test. He gives the instructions. Here's the chapter, boom. I hope you listened while you're in class. Maybe you took some notes. Get in the boat. Where are we going? Get in the boat. Where are we going? Get in the boat. Where are we going? Get in the boat. They hadn't even been in the boat no time before a storm came up. Jesus said, I'll be along, get in the boat. You're not coming with? Just get, I'll be along. Hello, somebody. The storm happened. The whole thing is designed for a truth lesson. Can, can, I, can I give you another one? Jesus takes his disciples across the sea. You remember this where he cast legion out of the man and into the pigs? Let me tell you, let me, Jesus said I'm called to the house of Israel. Can I do a teaching moment here? Okay. If Jesus called to the house of Israel, where Jesus took his disciples, there ain't no Jews. Because no self-respecting Jew is going to have anything to do with raising pigs. So Jesus puts his disciples in a boat, takes them across the sea, and picks a fight with a demon. As soon as he steps out of the boat, this demon meets him and says, I know who you are. Have you come to torment me before my time? You all know this story? And basically Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm Lord, even here. They raised those pigs in that area as sacrifices to Baal. They raised those pigs as sacrifices in satanic ritual worship. You can't just read your Bible. You got to. And so Jesus puts his disciples in a boat, takes them to a place where there ain't any Jews, steps out of the boat, and picks a fight with a demon. Why did he do that? To show his disciples this is a test. I am even sovereign. I am even Lord where they worship Satan at. As soon as the demons cast into the pigs, they go off the cliff into the water. What does Jesus say? Hey, let's go find some people to evangelize in this area. Get in the boat. Let's go back to the house of Israel. He did that on purpose. He tested them. Would you believe that I can be sovereign even here? Would you believe that I can be sovereign even here? Let me tell you something, church. You listen to me right now. If you don't hear anything else Pastor Don has ever said, we have been born in the church age for such a time as the one we live in right now. (laughs) 
the world is broken. It is evil. And that's why we're here. Don't complain about it when you see all the evil happening. It's a test. Will you believe that God can be sovereign even in the middle of this mess? Absolutely. God is God. Amen. He's God at the front door. He's God at the back door. He's God at the left. He's God at the right. God is God. Amen. He's God today, tomorrow, and forever. He is God wherever he's at. And I don't care what evil sets in kind of political corrupt government issues. The church is here and we're supposed to be shining bright in a dark place. It's a test. It's a test. In my neighborhood, a sign just went up. Just went up. Pro 1973 row. And I was like, that's a test. I mean, first of all, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful I was born in 72. They will get that later. That's a test. Because my first initial thing is to be angry. But my next thing is to remember, what's the promise? You shall be my disciples. You shall be a light. Hey, Lord, thank you for showing me some people I got to love. It's a test. It's a test. Because, see, I can put my own sign up. And I got some ideas. I wouldn't pass the test. Y'all laugh because you know, too. You know exactly what I got. I got a sign for you. It's a test. This, then, is the principle as we trust God and pass the test of strength and for the future, somebody say amen. Here's the principle. Our faith grows from a church when we choose to apply God's promises to today's problems as God uses these experiences to mature us for tomorrow's challenge. Ooh. That's why the Bible is full of promises. We never encounter a situation for which God has not provided a precious promise to bear us through it. God's word is written so clear that we can understand what he's saying to us. The way to strengthen our faith is to focus on particular problems and speak on those conditions. Problems are going to arise. Somebody say amen. As we make our way through life toward the place that Jesus has prepared for us, problems are going to arise. Don't derail yourself. Since God is on our side, you got to trust him. Never forget. Can I say this? On the backside of every cloud, the sun is always shining. You ever been above a storm in an airplane? The beauty. Had these people not been so privileged to see God's power? Yes, they had. Come on. They seen the power of God at work this far? Yes, they had. They believed not only in God, but had they believed in their God-ordained leader, Moses? Yes, they had. Had they benefited from Moses' diligent and his determination, his dedication to the different task assigned to him by the Lord? Yes, all those things are true. But, everybody say, but? As often is the case, when problems come up on the road to a better life, an unexpected hardship goes from bad to worse. You know what happens? Bitter people always look for somebody to blame. Oh, Pastor Dom's preaching to you this morning. And just be all right with it because God already preached to me about it. Moses became the target of their frustration. He became the target of their indignation. He became the target of their assassination of character. Assigning blame has never solved any problem. Whew, you know why you're quiet right now? Because you're like, ooh, preacher, that's, that's true. Moses could have walked away. Come on, worship team. Moses could have walked away. He could have turned on all those people who made him mad, 
But here's the thing I love about Moses in this moment. He knew what the real problem was. Lack of trust. Lack of trust. And so it is with the issue of grumbling toward God. Come on. Either our profession of faith wasn't real to begin with, or it's so shallow that we allow circumstances to determine the depth of our trust in the Lord. And so rather than walking away from these murmurs and go back to his sheep where he had it made, Moses decided that God had led him thus far. So God would lead him to the promised land. Is it okay if I just ask you to decide in this place right here this morning that there is a truth? No matter where we're at right now, what we're going through, what we've experienced, what we've come through, or what we're facing. Here's a truth for all of us, regardless. This morning, right now, God has led us thus far. Is it, is it okay if I ask you just to make that decision? God has led us thus far. And Future's Bridge is all about trust. Moses made a decision. And he cried to the Lord because he knew the power of God to make things beautiful. In God's timing to bring about God's ending. The ending that God had intended from the very beginning. Moses decided God has led us thus far. Folks, I love you. And I admit, I told you from the beginning, this sermon series is based out of my own wrestling with God over my wife's health. I, I just can't, I can't say anything to you but what God is saying to me. I'm not interested in canned sermons. I'm not interested. I'm just saying, I'm, we walk this, we're doing this together. We, we walk across the Red Sea together. Right? And we, we're just trying to, we're trying to build the church. We're not building the kingdom. The kingdom always has been. The kingdom is. The kingdom always will be. We're building the church. The church is the point at which the kingdom of God invades earth. Do you, do you know, listen, Firm Foundation Ministries in Centerville, Michigan is an invasion point. God knew the problem Moses was facing. And God knows the problems that you're facing. And God knows how to solve those problems. We just need to say, God, open our eyes to see what I cannot see. To, to believe what I cannot believe. It's impossible what I see. It can't be done. Humpty Dumpty cannot be. I've fallen too much. Too many times, God. There's no sense. There's no use. God intended from the very beginning what's happening in your life. And so he spoke to Moses. And so he speaks to us. And the truth of the matter is the solutions, they're usually pretty obvious. Will you stand with me? I praise God for the day the Lord saved me from the power of Satan. And he set me free on a spiritual journey. And from that night literally from the beginning of time, but I'll speak from my earthly existence. God had a destination for me. And, and you people don't believe me, but you can ask my wife, and you know how black and white she is. I used to tell her about the things that I would see. God, God showed me this. and I used to stand in front of a, a meat-cutting table so 
burnt out and aggravated at God. You, this is not what you showed me. But faith is future's bridge. But I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. We need to praise God for the day the Lord saved us from Satan's power and set us free on our spiritual journey to understand that he has led us thus far not to lead us to a place where there isn't a bridge to get from where we are to where he wants us to be. And this whole series, the point of this, what God ultimately spoke, we got one more message and we're going to close this sermon series. Not today. I, some of y'all just panicked in your heart. Wait, he's going to preach again? VBS people are like, no, no, no. We got stuff to do. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And we got to be okay with that. Because the one who's testing us doesn't intend for us to fail. <laughs> I got next week all in my head. And so right now in this moment, we're going to worship for a second. And you want to come and do some business with God. Lord, I have a faith that I admit I don't want you to test. But I just want to surrender this to you, Lord, because I want to trust you. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm confident in this, that what God promised, he is able to bring to pass. I know in whom I have believed. I know that I know that I know that I know. I wish somebody knew in here. I just wish somebody knew in here. I know that I'm not where I want to be or where I should be, Lord, but I know you have led me thus far. So, Father, in this place today, we say, Jesus, thank you. The cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. You moved behind, Lord. You gave light to our path forward and you put our enemies in darkness. And so, Jesus, we're asking you to just be Jesus this morning. We're looking for future's bridge. God, what does it mean? How do we walk across it? Where is it at? We know that faith is the bridge to futures forward. And God, we want to go forward in you. We're tired of standing by the sea. We're tired of being paralyzed by the impossible. God, help us to lift up our eyes and see the God of the impossible. God, when we face an uncrossable situation or circumstance, God, thank you that you show up, Lord. And you come and make a way. You make a way. So, Lord, we worship you just for a minute as we respond to the word. You want to come and respond to the word? You want to stay where you're at? Ask your neighbor to pray for you. Pray for your neighbor. I want you to just do a little ministry right now with the Lord. Water in the storm. Come on. Man on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Come on, church. It's over. It's over. Everything I need, you got. Yes, he does. honey in the rock. Come on, let's lift up our voice. Praying for a miracle.
God, you promised that your word would not come back void. And so this morning, Lord, we want to say we receive the word of God by faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell someone, faith, it's future's bridge. God bless you. Doug and Nancy have a Join in. Yeah. Wandering into the night. 